The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, it's Matt Michaels here on The DeFalco Files of FSW Future Stars Wrestling here in Las Vegas, Mr. Joe DeFalco. Joe, how you doing today? Feeling good, you know, uh, coming off uh, a big show on Saturday night, and, and that kind of changes things, you know? It's like, you know, I got back, and, you know, you, you look around, and you're like, man, what is the reasoning for this? Why do, why do you do the things you do? And after you have a show like we did on Saturday, it helps you to remember, you know, all the bullshit you got to put up with. But when you have a show like you do, it, it really uh, reinvigorates you. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about the show uh, a little bit here. Um, let me ask you, when you're talking about the reinvigoration of um, coming off of a show that just was just as, as good as could be. Um, what is your mindset of, is it, do you give yourself enough time to process the accomplishment before you're moving on to the next thing? Or, uh, do you pretty much enjoy it for that, you know, 24 hours and then it's, you know, business as usual. Let's get to, uh, planning out the uh, next event. No, during the event, I'm already figuring out what we're doing next. You know what I mean? It's like you see things that happen and you're like, hey, this this could be something we could move towards. You know, after what happened in the Hammerstone cage match, you know, I had an idea of things and, you know, we were figuring the crowd really wanted to see, you know, cage and hammer against Toko Uso. But the the. The, the loudest chant that we could hear was rematch, rematch, because it was such a great match. People wanted to see one man beat the other. Right. You know, and, and Hammerstone, you know, has come close and in the past. And Hammerstone in 2021 is not the same Hammerstone that Brian Cage beat in 2018. Yeah. You know, I, I always talk about when we had uh, Bryce Harrison. You know, he got that first opportunity. He got to wrestle Paul London. Yeah. And we went in there, and Paul went over uh, because I felt he should and he was deserving of it. You know, I don't, I felt that the match was the big, wasn't necessarily winning yeah. the match. And then, you know, that helped catapult Bryce Harrison to another level. And then we had a rematch, and Bryce Harrison won. And if you're an, if you're a wrestling fan who has no idea who Bryce Harrison or Paul London is, if you watch the first match, you'd be, I'm like, Hey, which guy's a WWE guy. And 99%, the only people that wouldn't would be like Bryce's mom or something would say, 
Paul London. But when we did that second match, Bryce did everything he needed to do to be a guy that nobody could differentiate between the two. Right. He, he was a true professional. And Hammerstone was a guy that was a professional in 2018, and he had great matches. He wrestled Moose. He wrestled Sammy Callahan. He wrestled Brian Cage. You know, he's been in with the best. But in 2021, I cannot sit here and say Brian Cage is the better of the two. You know, I always felt Hammerstone was truly the total package. You know, right. he looked amazing. His his in-ring work for a guy his size was was excellent. His promo ability has come a long way from the gods of war, you know, and Hammerstone's one of the best promos in the business. Yeah. So, you know, that match, I was a little curious because Cage hadn't been around with us in a while. Right. And, you know, the people responded nicely. I wouldn't say it was, you know, a, a reception that somebody will be getting on February 4th when they come back. <laughs> but once the match got heated up, even myself, it made me realize how good Brian Cage is, you know? And it started off a little slow, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, things have changed. He's got, But once it heated up, man, it, it was an awesome match. Yeah. So, you know, definitely we're talking with people, and – you know, we're already fast forwarding to, you know, we, we, we played the doomsday, you know, video and people were looking and not really paying attention and they couldn't really hear the voice because on the sound system, you, you couldn't hear. But when they popped the face of Kevin of Killer Cross on there, man, the crowd erupted. Yeah. So there was a lot of great moments that, you know, and that's also the difference watching that card come together. You know, we do a lot of shows that I think in the long run change. We are as good as everybody else out there. But being that we do a lot of shows that feature a lot of our younger talent that we bring from the school and, you know, take a look at that card. You know, the Sky Highs and, and those guys, they were on the pre-show. You know, the one of the hottest wrestlers in FSW, there wasn't a spot for Gregory Sharp. Yeah. Not because I didn't want it, not just because there wasn't anything right there. There was eight matches, you know, and it, it still went a bit long, but it had to because of the setup with the cage. Right. So, you know, people who sleep, on FSW, they, they, they're crazy. And it's like, you know, all of a sudden you realize, oh, shit, yeah, Danny Limelight, man, that dude's really good. And Brandon Jackson, <laughs> that guy's excellent. And we talk about that No Limits division. And, you know, with Chris Bay, Ice Williams, Jay Vidal, Matt Vandegrift, Damian Drake, Danny Limelight, you know, Brandon Gatson, Jordan Cruz, you know, Thomas Day. Like, it's more than 10 deep. Like, Midas Creed can't crack the top 10. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the only reason he got the spot was because Eli Everfly was injured and he couldn't make it. So, 
And that's not counting our limitless tournament where we're bringing in a guy like Trey Miguel, the epitome of the no limits division. Yeah. And Davey Richards. And it's like, so as much as you want to sit and watch the show, I was going to do commentary, couldn't get D'Lo. I was going to have Ricky and, and Maz do the women's match. For some reason, uh, Maz didn't show up. I had Ricky do it. Then I was going to do the cage matches. But I was busy trying to take care of things, making sure everything was good, you know. And at worst, I felt me being the third guy in there would would be able to accentuate the stories. But overall, you know, everything was tremendous. You know, when you start off the show with perhaps the best tag team on the West Coast right now, Death Proof, taking on a team many people feel could be the best tag team in the West Coast, Toko Uso, along with two rising stars in Shogun and Hero Lou, and that's the curtain jerker. Yeah. You know, nobody was jerking a curtain. No. You know what I mean? To put it mildly, you know? And that set the tone, yeah. you know? People, you know, when I came out, oh, man, you know, that was a good good call. That was a good pop when they won the belts. It's like people love title changes, whether it's a heel or a face going over. They, they got to witness, yeah. you know, history. You know, FSW is not a company that we try to hot shot title changes every three weeks. Yeah. You know, six months, nine months, you know, ice a year and a half. Cross was almost two years. Hammerstone's had three reigns that have been one longer than the other. So Graves had it for like eight or nine months. Bay had it for like that. So when you see three title changes in one night, it's a pretty fucking big deal. Yeah. Yeah. And it, uh, you know, I think we've talked about this before. Uh, That idea that in FSW, the storylines tend to form a consistency so that the continuity is there and a lot of other promotions that are independent promotions they bring in guys but there's no story to the matches that are being laid out so the difference in bringing in a brian cage and a hammerstone here it makes sense because in fsw there's the history of brian being a champion between brian and hammerstone and, you know, not having Brian have faced Hammerstone since uh, around 2018. Um, you know, there, there's a lot there that you can play on. And I think that that is one of the reasons that a card like um, the No Escape card was so engaging and, and entertaining. Um, with... The title change. Uh, w- w- let's let's talk a little bit about the tag team there. Uh, when you see Hero and Shogun and the response the crowd had to them, does that put in motion the idea of you know those two possibly going against Toko Uso? And how then do you fit Deathproof into that mix as well? Well, yeah, that that's the million dollar question. It's like that's the 
that's the, the the good and the bad of of being the guy who puts everything together, trying to have things make sense. Yeah. Having things, you know, there was always a reason, and we always would joke about it that after somebody lost, we didn't really follow it up with a rematch. You know what I mean? It's like you know, it, it's easier to do in WWE because they're running pay per views every month, they're running Raw, they're running SmackDown it's pretty easy to lose your belt on Sunday and get a rematch on Monday. Right. But the thing with us is, you know, our, you know, our fans are great. They love FSW. We love the fans. But if you see Chris Bay just beat Ice Williams in the cage, Ice Williams is definitely deserving of a rematch. But are we going to headline the next show? Where could they go from the steel cage match? Right. You, you know what I mean? For people to be like, oh, man, I want to see this one. Their styles don't constitute, you know, a 60-man Ironman match. Right. You, you know what I mean? So you need to be careful. When it makes sense, we do. Remy Marcel, he instituted his rematch clause because the way he lost leaves a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. So I'm probably one of the few promoters, bookers, whatever, that looks at it at a fan's perspective. Yes. Okay? Yeah. Being that I'm a fan, the way things that I've seen happen in the past that I didn't like, and I'm not talking about FSW, I'm obviously talking WWE stuff. Right. You know, back in the day, you'd see stuff and like, oh, man, that was fucking terrible. You know? And there's stuff that, you know, I've utilized once or twice the Bobby Heenan holding down Ultimate Warrior's foot for Rick Rude to win the match. Right. And, and we've done that. You know, when you when you take something, you're not stealing it. You you are acknowledging that that was awesome. You know, oh that was a, that was a great finish. And it's yeah. like, yeah, you know, thank thank Rick Rude, Ultimate Warrior, and Bobby Heenan. You know, I have no problem saying that I saw something 25, 30 years ago that two-thirds of our fans, maybe three-quarters, had never seen that before. Right. You know, less because of the network or whatever, but it's always trying to evolve. You know, when you have – we got Hammerstone, we got Graves, we got Cody, we got Remy, we got Jacob Austin Young, you know, we got Sharp. How many guys have been with us for seven, eight, nine years? Funny yep. bone. Like, how do you keep it fresh when your core group is the same? And I'm pretty proud to say that we have done a great job because the new guys come in and there's a Jay Vidal and then Ice Williams shows up at Future Shock and it's like, oh, we, we, we got something with this kid. And – you know, I plucked back a guy like Brandon Gaston who hadn't done anything for years. Yeah. And now he's in the shape of his life. And we've gotten more commitments to Eli Everfly. You know, Danny Limelight blowing up my phone. Oh, LAX tag team. Oh, I want the Nevada State. Set it up. No limits. Ba, 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 ba. You know, that guy pitches more shit for himself <laughs> than anybody I've ever met. Yeah. That dude had 146 ideas. And so, you know, one of the best promo guys out there, Limelight, he, he's extremely athletic. 
you know, I like the dude. I know he kind of can rub some people the wrong way. Yeah. You know, with, with, with the Puerto Rican attitude, you know, that New York thing <laughs> that people have said about me many times. So, you know, uh, I know it comes from what he's looking for, what he thinks could be good business. And I don't have issues with that. If I got to listen to the fucking Suavecitos make pitches, I'll listen to Danny Limelight. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, you know, I think you you just brought up an interesting uh, question again regarding, like, the tag team championships. Is that potentially something that you'd, you'd look at for a Mecca uh, having Slice, Bo- Slice Boogie and, and Danny Limelight who are the new LAX uh, going against a Toko Uso because both those teams are very popular and very hot right now. So do we have MK on one corner and Conan's in on the other? Hey. Wouldn't wouldn't we need a baby face team to kind of break that up a little bit? Well, I'm sure Limelight solidified himself in FSW as a heel. heel. Exactly. It's crazy how it, you know, it's like, finding those places and those matchups and going boy that'd be a great match but sense wise and a lot of that comes off of that great performance in the cage the six of those guys for that uh that contendership for the no limits championship man there was just some really really good stuff going on there including something that was just uh, you know dangerous i guess would be the idea is before that cage closed, uh, Limelight taking out Jay and just going through the ropes right down to the concrete. That was just jaw-dropping, and the match hadn't even started yet, essentially. Well, yeah, technically it did not. And, you know, obviously Danny Limelight sees who one of the hottest competitors in FSW has been over the year another fellow Puerto Rican in Jay Vidal. So, you know, it's a battle of the Bodiquas we could pitch it as, you know what I'm saying? And, and you know, I, I've joked, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to lead the Bodiqua posse, which will be uh, uh, Toa, Limelight and Jay Vidal. And I believe Eli Everfly's half Puerto Rican too. So just, just to throw that out there, you know, they had the Bodiquas, you know, the little tribute to Savio Vega and the yeah. crew. We already got the uh, the faction, and now uh, Rocky T needs to start the DOA, and then we're we're all set. <laughs> um, you know, it, there's a match in there that I don't think uh, has ever been done, and that would be uh, you could put Jay and Danny uh, put that number one contendership on the line in a uh, no 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 Jay what? Vidal earned. That number one spot. Well, I, I understand that, but I think if you put those two guys in a bodega and had them brawl, have it a bodega, a bodega match. Yes, yes, a bodega brawl, man. I think that would be that would be amazing. You know, if they hey, if WWE can do uh, you know a grocery store spot with Austin and Booker, why not those two in, in that type of match? Uh, Just. Just got just got a call from Booker T a little while ago. Oh, Ooh. hey bro, do I owe you money? I'm like, no. We did the seminar. Your wife hit. I guess the wife's right on, and she hit me up the next day. Like, oh, can we settle up? It's been what two, two weeks, and Booker's like, hey, did, did I tell you, did I owe you some money? 
I'm like, no, we did the seminar, we did that. The offset, it's like, I actually sent you some money. Oh, okay, cool. So, <laughs> you know, we're hoping in the beginning of the new year, he said, you know, possibly uh, sprinkling the area and, you know, the future where reality meets the future, my friend. So, that, that sounds that, good. There's so many things. I had a brainstorm, you know, every year we do our, you know, Christmas show. And, you know, it's 15 bucks, 20 bucks, you know, $5 off with the toy. We're blowing this shit out of the water. It is free if you bring a toy. Yep. Don't bring those fucking 99 cent toys. It's a free ticket. Buy something decent, you know. Get a get a killer get a carrying cross action figure. From what I understand, they're going really cheap. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I might have to like load up on them. That way we can have them signed. Signed. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. So. Yeah. The idea is try to get some sponsors. Maybe they can help fund a little bit. But we want it to be a free show for our fans, to where they get to donate a bunch of toys. Talking about doing a raffle. We might bring back the auction. You could manage Remy Marcel in a Nevada State title match. Maybe Garth and Brandon could bid against each other and bid like a thousand bucks. You know, it all goes for a good cause. You know, the Joe yeah. DeFalco fund. <laughs> um, with uh, with that, um, that idea in terms of giving back um, and with the idea that fans are really uh supportive and uh this very well could be uh a very full house uh, what uh what do you th what is your thought process on looking at something like that and going okay we've got the um show coming up for limitless on the 10th and then we've got the new year's show on the 31st um, and it being December 23rd that the Christmas show will be. When you think of that Christmas show, do you think that something like having donations not only benefits you guys for the relationship with the community, but also, um, you know, brings in some of the crowd that might not otherwise have gone because it is on December 23rd and there's just so many different things going on with, of course, travel and, um, you know, uh, Christmas parties, especially, you know, right before Christmas. Um, you had the same thing. This was right after Thanksgiving with the show on Saturday. How does that figure into uh, what you your expectations are for the amount of people that you think will attend a show? Well, first off, I think there's going to be a lot of wrestlers, friends, and family who are now going to definitely come. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, of course, we don't want to shut out the main fans. And, you know, it's Christmas time. A lot of people don't have a lot of money. They want to make sure their kids get stuff. Yeah. So maybe running a show for 20 bucks isn't in the cards for some of the fans that, that come to our show. Now there's no excuse. They, they, they don't have to pay for a show. They pay five or 10 bucks and they bring a toy and they get in and watch some great wrestling. You know, I've already gotten some commitments. Sin Bodie, uh, you know, has volunteered his services. Uh, Matt Vandegrift, Damian Drake, 
you know, maybe they'll fight each other again one night only. They'll reunite and beat each other up in there. You know, who, who knows? But, of course, a lot of the younger guys. And the reason, I'll be honest with you, you know, we were thinking, hey, we could do it the 17th. And then I realized I'm going back to New York December 13th. Right. So can't do it on Christmas Eve. We can't do it on Christmas Day. We don't run shows normally during the week. But at Christmas week, all the kids are home. No worries about school. It's like I get back the 20th or 21st. It's like, hey, gives me a couple of days, but we'll set everything up and, and we'll do it for Thursday. So, you know, we'll have ideas, you know, hey, we'll give away two free, buy a raffle, you know, five bucks each, three for 10, whatever. You know, we'll give away two, two tickets to uh, the New Year's Eve show. Uh, we'll give away you know, a carrying cross action figure. You know, we have, we have so much of our stuff. We'll give away a couple of the fam t-shirts, whatever it is. And I'm sure the wrestlers will be more than happy to chip in. Maybe Sin Bodhi, uh gives away one of his awesome figures that he creates. Right. You know what I mean? It's also good for business for him. People get to see up close, you know, a road warriors figure or, you know, Andre the giant or whatever it is. And now maybe there's people who, who want something like that down the line. Right. So it's good for all parties. You know, we're hoping, you know, we, we can get some, you know, love from, you know, one of the news channels, you know what I'm saying? You know, our boy Jason works at channel eight, been a camera guy there for years. You know, he got to start with us. You know, maybe you can put in the word and they do a little something, something, you know, we've had it before. They came down for Jake the Snake, you know, bring it, bring your camera crew, you know, film what we got going on and, and you know, what we're, we're looking to do because we have literally done this for at least 11 years. Uh, we used to do it Thanksgiving and Christmas, but because of the scheduling, we, we just couldn't. So we almost weren't going to do the Christmas show. And it's like, we have to, that's like our tradition, you know, to do it, you know? So, you know, we've gone as far as, Hey, whoever the highest bidder is gets to pick the stipulations of a match. You, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. Hey, Victor Griff versus uh, Damian Drake, you pick the match, you know? Oh, and then the winner picks a some war battle. You know what I mean? You never know. <laughs> a, a feather tickle match. Um, <laughs> Well, I'm glad you brought up those two because uh, I was just thinking about just how brutal that that match was between the two of them. Uh, it's a weapons match in the cage. For those of you who haven't seen it yet, please go check out Fight TV. Uh, get the replay. Uh, it's absolutely worth it for the full card. But this match was one of the... The thing that impressed me most about what they did was... There wasn't one instance in the match where it didn't have an intention behind it. And a lot of times in a steel cage match, when something like weapons are involved, it's just, you know, spot to be spotted, you know, to, to just, you know, use that stuff uh, just because it's a weapons match. We're just going to, you know, beat each other up and, and bleed and etc. But everything that they did from minute one, when Damien just starts off by spearing Matt through that door, um, 
it was just it was poetic it was nerve-wracking it was just a beautiful thing to watch do you think not, that... not if he pinned not if he pinned him three right at that moment yeah <laughs> I, I thought about that for a second i thought oh dude if they fucking swerve everyone here and that was it that would have been that would have been wonderful. My, think, my thinking after the fact was Damian Drake pins him, but then they still fight for 15 minutes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, That'd be interesting. Yeah. I'll tell you what, we thought we had a little bit more room on the top of the cage. I know there were some people who were interested in, and they realized that they couldn't do stuff because we were told when we first went there that the ceilings were 18 feet and the ceilings aren't 18 feet. No. Nah. They're yeah. like 15 or 16. Exactly. Um, in fact... Uh, no Spanish fly off the top of the cage. Yeah. Um, but but in the, you know, in the end, that, uh, you know, essentially that 360 sidewalk slam through two tables and thumbtacks, it just happens so quick. And if you watch that replay, it's just amazing. The rotation they got so fast in that type of uh, positioning was just unbelievable. And you know, yeah, I'll be honest. When I was watching them set up the tables, I'm like, man, I, I think those tables, anything they do off that top rope might be, uh, the tables might be too close to, to, to the ropes Yep, is what I thought. You know, I'm thinking they're going to land and, you know, somebody's going to hit their head on the edge of the table or something, but you know, and ridiculous how that's why they're the wrestlers. <laughs> well, and it's ridiculous how good that those two are on predicting the distance in terms of you know keeping each other safe. It it was just impeccable. Um, yeah, because we we didn't buy any practice doors for them. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and then uh, Thomas Day, Tommy. Uh, afterwards, when I was talking to him. When he went up there to the top of the cage to do the leap, uh, he got up there and he realized, oh, I guess I can't stand up fully. <laughs> no, and he's a tall kid, so, yeah. you know. So he was lit. Other than, other than Bodie or Danny from the Suavecitos, I can't see anybody being able to stand up there. Right, right. And and so, I mean, even Thomas stays his leap from the cage – that made it even more impressive because he was able to get the trajectory without having the f the full balance of standing up, or, or without having to hit his head on the ceiling. Yeah. Um. Do Do you think that when you look at um the use of the cage in in this instance in all the matches, um, that it's something that again, is used very well by all parties, you know, who, who work the cage. Essentially making the cage the, uh, the, the extra person, you know, the extra, um, the work person, essentially. Does that, does that make you excited every time that you do a no escape event? Because of the fact that every time out, these guys are finding new ways to incorporate that cage into the matches. Well, I'll be honest. I'm not too sure how much uh, Matt Vandergriff watched Greg Romero versus Rush in a cage match six years ago. You know what I mean? Sure. All I think you could do is go in there and make it your own, you know, 
there's no reason why you should go in there and say, well, hey, he did this. And, you know, there was a weapons match that was awesome. It was Cody and Funny Bone. And it was a, a weapon steel cage match that was great, but it was still totally different than the weapons match between Matt and, and, and Damien. So, you know, you go in there. I'm pretty sure a couple of years ago we did the escape the cage. I believe that's how Damien Drake won. I'm not sure it was Damien Drake or Ice Williams. I'm not sure uh, who won that a few years ago when we did it. But same philosophy. You know, Danny Limelight is going to do what he is strong at. And that was getting thrown into the cage and trying to do the Spider-Man, Spider-Man. thing. Yep. I know he, you know, you can book Danny Limelight. Spider-Man's coming out so he can be your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. So. But, you know, he had to do what he was, his strong suit. Right. And I, I, for a guy like Midas Creed, maybe Jordan Cruz, you know, maybe Jordan Cruz has had one steel cage match. I'm going to bet Midas Creed hasn't. Thomas Day, I'm not sure, has ever been in a steel cage. So it's 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 also new and I would imagine exciting for guys because if you're doing a single steel cage match, you really need to be at the top of the promotions list and also being involved in a major angle with somebody to where you're gifted that position. You know what I mean? Right. It's easy to put Kevin Cross in a steel cage match with Matt Hardy or Kenny King or whoever it had to be because those were the main events. Yeah. Shows. Or when he worked with Hammerstone, you know, same thing with Hammerstone. He worked John Morrison in the cage. You know, he worked uh, uh, Cross and that young boy kid. You know what I mean? And they had a cage match. So Hammerstone's, uh, you know, well aware of it, and he's probably had some because he has been in the big time. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? So, but for the younger guys, it's a great moment. It's kind of like, hey, who's the lucky guy that's going to get in the ring with Davey Richards, you know, or the unlucky guy, you know what I mean? <laughs> he might might be a little stiff on him. Who knows? But the thing is, you know, you're not getting there if you're the low-card guy. You're not getting there when you're not putting in the effort and you're getting on shows. You know, I have a million guys. Oh, yeah. You know, you and my guy Limelight. Oh, yeah. You know, I'll work Davey Richards. And it's like, yeah, so will 40 other guys. And I'd be found in the desert right, because somebody threw me in there if I gave Limelight a match over any of our regulars who've been there for 10 years. Right. You know, good idea, Danny. Um, when you're looking at uh, the main event and you had Bay finally um, getting to the point where he defeated Ice Williams, not only Ice Williams, but the whole faction. Almost like John Cena against the Nexus. It was unbelievable. <laughs> um, when you look then at what you've set up essentially now with Jay Vidal being the number one contender and Chris having that No Limits title... Um, is that something that you foresaw in the future as somewhere you were trying to get to because of the fact that a guy like Chris Bay will um, just up that level of Jay, who is already 
you know, on the radar of a lot of people now that a match like that could propel him to potentially that next level of uh, being signed by a company? Well, for future stars of wrestling FSW, having Hammerstone and having Chris Bay holding major titles is extremely strong for the company. Yeah. But the thing is, until I got a commitment from Bay to work a good amount of shows, it wasn't something I would do because I really don't need more guys that aren't going to make shows. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, you know, all I ever ask at Hammerstone is, you know, try your best to at least give me one out of the two shows a month. And some months he'll give me both. You know what I mean? And unless something major comes up, you know, he kind of double booked himself on December 10th. And I was going to line up Hammerstone versus Davey Richards as the main event of Limitless. So, you know, we have a few different options. You know, we're going to do an eight-man tournament, uh, four singles matches, and then the winners will meet in an elimination match. So that's five matches there. Uh, Trey Miguel will not be in the tournament. So he will be in a standalone match that may be for the X Division Championship. And, you know, guys like Matt Vandergriff are high on that list because I personally think that yeah. will be a phenomenal match. Yeah. So... You know, besides those five tournament matches, having Trey Miguel against somebody, now we're at six. We really only got to add one more match because, you know, the guys that we have in it, we're not worried about, you know, we want these matches to go. We want to give them all the time they can, you know, to do and get in what they're looking for. You know, that's the whole idea. This tournament is limitless. You know what I mean? Unless Keith Lee's showing up, you know, somebody else is going to be limitless. Plus, he's a bear cat now, anyway. So, <laughs> well, this isn't that isn't that the uh, the, f- the late February tournament after Mecca, the the bear cat scramble. Uh, either that, or who's going to be the new mascot for uh, the Cincinnati college football team, <laughs> who should be getting into the playoff as the number one team in the state of Ohio. <laughs> yeah, what a crazy uh, crazy football weekend too with. Uh, Michigan pulling that huge upset. Um, wasn't huge, but it was a good, definitely, you know, Harbaugh was 0-5 with them, so I, I was glad to see it. You know, yeah. Ohio State always rests on the laurels. They lose the game, but they always seem to be the one that gets in with the one loss. You know, I'm hoping Georgia smashes Alabama. I wish they would have lost to Auburn and they would have been done. But I want to see, like, Georgia win, like, 27-24 Alabama have two losses and somehow still end up getting yeah. in the uh, in the playoff. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, but what you know what's going to happen? I'm going to tell you right now. The fix is in, and Alabama will win, so both SEC teams can get in. Yeah. Many years ago, many years ago, I still to this day swear it was a fix. Go back and watch when Cam Newton won the Heisman Trophy. Auburn was either up 28 nothing or 35 nothing, And somehow, and this was at halftime, and somehow Alabama came back and won that game. Yeah. Because if they lost, nobody from the SEC would have got into the tournament. Right. So saying, you know, two colleges making 20, 30 million each instead of none. What do you think is going to happen? Yeah. And, you know, what also happens is that, both those teams are put on 
opposite ends of the brackets. So potentially they want those two to meet in the final. I I think it's a hundred percent. You're onto it. Um, Pro wrestling, the 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 only uh, upfront and honest sport. Ex- yeah, exactly. Um, I'll up- tell you who's going to win, but it's still upfront and honest. Well, speaking of upfront and honest, uh, Lawler and Graves beat the hell out of each other. That was. I, you know, um, with everything that went on throughout that card and how good everything was, there was a chance for, because of the style, for the crowd to potentially, you know, kind of take that time to maybe go get the drink or, you know, be out of it a little bit more. But, damn, I, I they kept person, them. I, I think that they they didn't engage in that match. Really? Yeah, you know. I thought the reaction was okay. I remember somebody like Lawler ended up, oh, about time. Like, they're looking for wrestling moves. And if you watch during the match, Tom made sure he did a couple of things in there to incorporate the wrestling fans because it wasn't a natural-born killer show, and it's wrestling fans. So they'll want to see a wrestling match, even though a wrestling match between Graves and Lawler could be very good. A, A match that they have could be better. And I just felt the crowd did not embrace, you know, the style of the match. You know, that's why you try to do different things. Yeah. You know, how different is Graves and Lawler more mat based than Hammerstone and Cage that's following it if they wrestle the same thing, if they wrestle their strengths instead of doing, you know, the knockout or submission, you know, you know, you got to be a tough guy, you know, to hang with Graves. And on the opposite end, you got to be a tough guy to hang with Lawler. So, you know, that was the perfect setup. You know, we had done it at Natural Born Killers. You know, unfortunately, that didn't do that well. You know, GCW pushed the start time because CM Punk was uh, making the debut. So they pushed their show an hour. So by the time their show ended, Natural Born Killers was half over. So, you know, what are you going to do? You know, you, you chalk that one up of trying to fit so much in. That, you know, sometimes things don't work out the right way. Um, let me ask you about, because you brought up Natural Born Killers, and of course, Mecca, we're going to see Killer Cross back uh, for the first time since uh, he left the helmet behind uh, there in Connecticut. Um, he might be bringing it. We can auction it off. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, we, can, we can explode it in the middle of the ring after the show for the highest bidder. Um, when you uh, when you start putting together Mecca and um, you think about what you're doing ticket wise, uh, I believe that there's going to be some special opportunities. What are the uh, the VIP type of things that you look for doing to make things a little more special for, especially some of the fans who have been fsw fans for years how do you get to that point where you're like hey we can offer this and this should uh be something very special for everyone well the first thing we're putting out and it's actually available now we we're calling it the doomsday package and it's 150 bucks some people are like holy shit it's 150 bucks well front row tickets 50 dollars. so now you're at 100 and now you're getting an autographed picture together of cross and scarlet 
and you're getting a picture op with Cross and Scarlet. You know, that alone is worth more than $100. If you go to get a picture with Kevin Cross at an event, it's going to be 40, 50 bucks. Yeah. And same thing with Scarlet. So that's a hundred bucks. All right. Well, now you're getting the autograph picture too. So, you know, we're going to offer it single singularly because we know a lot of our fans have enough pictures of cross. So, you know, we may do a picture up or that, which is 50 each. Well, if it's 50 each, you're better off doing the package because the package is 50 each for all of it, as well as getting early entry and event poster admission to the meet and greet later. Right. So for with the front row ticket, you know, then we're going to do one where it'll be like 25 less and it's going to be either or you either get a picture with both of them or you get a, uh, you know, autographed eight by 10 from both of them. So that saves you a little bit of money there. Then there's going to be the personal meet and greets that for both of them will probably be like 75 bucks. Well, you know, for the event poster, the early entry, the meet and greet, you're paying 25 bucks for, you might as well. But if you don't want to, you know, you don't. If you want to just do it with Scarlet, then you just do it with Scarlet for 50 bucks. Some people I've seen, they'll spend 150 bucks on meet and greets and all the other stuff but buy the cheapest ticket and just sit in general, which, yeah. oh my God, they're 20 feet away from the ring instead of 12. So, you know, it isn't really that much of a difference, but they'd rather put their money toward getting something signed or getting a picture, getting to meet, you know, their favorite wrestler. So, you know, working on other things that I've seen that I thought were pretty cool, you know, depending on the names that were there, you know, you know, we've talked extensively with Jay Lethal. We're hoping he's going to be there. You know, talk to uh, Luke Gallows, super nice guy. Yeah. Talk about maybe the Good Brothers. Hey, maybe the Briscoes. You know, maybe LAX, Davey Richards, you know, Trey Miguel. Who, you know, who knows? Chris Bay, you know, will, will definitely be there. You know, Brian Cage, good chance he's going to be there. Hammerstone will be there. So the FSW mainstays will be there. But anybody who's come to a Mecca event knows that it is a star-studded affair. So, hey, instead of paying 20 bucks for 10 autographs, well, maybe we'll do it for 100 and you get everybody's autograph in the building. Right. You, you know what I mean? So it, it's, it's funny that, you know, we announced it. People went crazy when they saw Cross. And we immediately get in tweets and Facebook messages. Hey, when are tickets going on sale? Hey, when are tickets going on sale? You know, my guy George Foreman hit me up. They already need 11 front row tickets. For <laughs> you know, and he's doing three VIP packages. And Shan's doing the VIP. And these are guys that, you know, probably met Kevin 100 times. Right. But that was also the, the reasoning for bringing in Scarlett. You know, none of them have that picture with both of them. Right. Kevin's is totally different than it was four years ago. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's the hometown hero who who's coming home, yeah. you know, you know, it's better than the hometown hero on heels when, uh, when he showed up, you know, but he was drunk out of his mind. So, you know, it didn't, didn't work out as well, but you know, that's the plan to, you know, love Kevin, Kevin loves us, but he still has to make his money. 
And, you know, we're fortunate that even though it's been announced that his first event's in New Jersey, that's a crock of shit because I have to fly him from Vegas to Jersey. He's actually working for uh, Kevin Matthews, also known as KM and Impact. Right. So he's running a uh, convention in Jersey on the 5th and 6th of February. Right. So we are officially, you know, the first show. Kind of the same thing with Matt Hardy, who's never come back, who it was the only appearance for him between AEW and WWE when he signed with AEW. And unfortunately, the pandemic hit and we didn't get Matt back. You know, anything is possible. Uh, Obviously, he didn't receive the three texts I sent him. Because, you know, there's no way he wouldn't have answered them, you know. The rumor is that Mikey saw him in uh, All Out, and he talked to Matt and brought up FSW. Oh, he didn't get back out to Vegas. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm planning on it. Well, you know, pretty simple. Hit me up, Matt. My guy. Um. As we kind of uh, kind of look at wrapping up a little bit here, let me ask you: uh, When you look at Limit- Limitless coming up here on the tenth, it's the next uh, big show for you. Um, in putting it together and knowing that you already have the structure of how many matches will be in place, do you look at something like the Limitless uh, tournament as you know just something that? you can do to give the fans a little taste of something they really enjoy in kind of a, um, like one scope, you know, sitting of, you know, these incredible, you know, high flyers and, 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 uh, X division style wrestlers. Um, is that the idea behind doing a tournament like this, just to kind of give the fans, um, that, different take where this is pretty much what the night is going to be? Well, you know, it's similar when we did natural born killers. It was something, you know, I had talked with Kevin about and he was definitely interested in the old UWFI style in Japan, you know, a shoot type wrestling event. And we've had good success with that. And we did the limitless tournament and it was a good way to spotlight, like for a guy like Lucas Riley, who, Fans may have seen once or twice, but he's getting a lot of love on the West Coast. You know, definitely an outstanding talent. And then you mix it in with some really good guys. We haven't seen Jacob Austin Young wrestle a singles match in a long time. He's a former No Limits champion. You know, uh, the the potential matchups, J-A-I versus J-A-Y. <laughs> you know, be dueling chance. But also, looking at Jacob Austin Young, and he's very much into that Japanese style yeah. and more more strong style. You know, him and Davey Richards is probably a match that he would, you know, love to be a part of. Yeah. So, you know, Adrian Quest, who was in the tournament a couple of years ago, and since then he's skyrocketed, you know, all over New Japan, uh, strong here in the States. And, you know, he's had some good success here in FSW. Well, a victory in a limitless tournament with all the names that are there, you know, can be a big thing for him. You know, Eli Everfly, unfortunately, you know, I've talked with him and, you know, he's hoping to be available for the Mecca. 
but you know, no, no good for this one, yeah. you know, but he's the epitome of a guy that, you know, I'd love to have on that show, you know, and that's part of the reason not being able to do 12, you know, Chris Bay ended up being booked at the wrong limitless events. He got booked by limitless wrestling and not by the limitless tournament. So, you know, so that takes out, you know, a couple of major players right there, right. You know, a potential Chris Bay, Trey Miguel match, you know, Bay and Davey Richards, you know, Eli Everfly, you know, wrestling a Trey Miguel, you know, Matt Vandegrift wrestling any of those guys, Damian Drake, you know, as we said, you know, Jack Hartwheel is going to be in there. And, you know, people in L.A. and on the West Coast, they know Jack Hartwheel. You know, if you've been to the GCW shows out here, you know, it's yeah. been a while. Since we had him and I'll be honest with you I've tried to book him on multiple events but he's in Mexico he's over here he's over there yeah he is one commodity you know uh, another guy Brandon Gatson loved to be a part of that tournament but unfortunately uh I think he's got a show with your boy Dirty Ron over in San uh, Diego he's fisting <laughs> yeah he's the champ there so yeah. you know he can't call in right um, hey, you know, speaking of, let me ask you about your thoughts on, on this. Uh, a guy like Jordan Oliver or someone from the East Coast, how difficult is it uh, for you if, let's say, you were interested and they might be headed out this way? Would it be something that you would work on to use uh, some of those type of names from the East Coast that might have a little bit of yeah. a power? Well, we're, we're flying in Trey and Davey, so it isn't like we're, you know, believe me, I looked at flights for Nick Wayne out of Washington, and his plane ticket is more than my plane ticket going to New, New York. York. Yeah. Like, what the hell? And, you know, the thing is, I talked to, uh, you know, Joey Sheik over at uh, PCW because they were running at the end of January. And obviously, Jay Vidal they is is their lightweight champ. They use, you know, Matt Vandegrift. They use Damian Drake. You know, they used Lucas Riley. They use guys we would use, you know, in the past. You know, I remember a few years ago, Sammy Callahan did their show. You know, hopped in a car with probably Douglas James, who was working their show, and they drove to Vegas and worked our show. Yeah, and you know, she flew him into to California, and we flew him out there unfortunately there was confusion on the super bowl weekend you know we thought because of the 90 day for for cross that we would have to do it super bowl weekend and because usually the first week of february now is when the super bowl is but because they added the week that's right now on the 13th and what's funny is WWE always runs the Royal Rumble the week before the Super Bowl, which is the week after the championship game. It's the dead week in the NFL. Right. Well, I'm not sure, but I know Sheik is running January 28th because they all thought that was the open week. WWE's running the 28th. Like, nobody's, nobody big is running that weekend because I think they all thought it was Super Bowl weekend. Yeah. And we're lucky, you know, we're doing that Friday the 4th. 
which means we're probably not going to get smashed on hotel rooms and things like that because it would have been Super Bowl weekend. Right. So we're going to be on the weekend where there's no football going on at all. So that alone should help the gate, even though cross being there alone is going to help the gate. Right. So, you know, we're contemplating seeing exactly how many people we can get in at diversion. You know, we have it on hold there, but if we can find another venue that can fit two, 300 more, it's definitely something we need to take a look at. Right. Well, you know, um, Brett, the threat, you know, he said he he's main event at MGM. So uh, I think that you got a tie in right there. Brett can get you right there you in. There. If, if we decide to do a show in a ballroom in the conference center, a mile away from the actual MGM, you know, he actually, you know what? I'm going to tell him to meet us there. Oh man! Um, any final thoughts, Joe? As we uh, we wrap up uh, this week? Yeah, I'm surprised Brett the Threat didn't uh, go after Graves after the match. You know, I figured that would be uh, you know a guy like him feeling that he was bypassed by you know a bunch of jujitsu clowns like Lawler and, and Graves that maybe he would take him out by himself, but. He, he, he was uh, obviously a little busy at that point. Yeah, it, it, he was uh, talking to a tall neck, I think. So Yeah, well, <laughs> but, you know, in conclusion, I guess you could say, yeah, you know, no escape. You know, to me, it's like that's after everything we've done, that was always the first big show of the year. Yeah. So even though we did it at the end of November, I'm counting that as the first big show of the year because everything is catapulting from that, you know, into the Limitless Tournament, into New Year's Eve, where Toko Uso will be making their first title defense. You know, what the great thing about it is, it's like, you know, I hit up guys for dates, I ask them about certain things, and I don't force anybody, you know, hey, we're doing a New Year's Eve show, you need to work it. Right. You know what? we're doing a Christmas show. It's volunteer only. We're not charging anything. If you want to do it, let me know. I don't hold grudges for people who choose not to do it. And, you know, we've already got people on the 23rd, you know, might have to do a battle Royal to all the young kids. Cause you know, they, they, they look at it as their chance to get a spot, yeah. you know, and one idea is we haven't, we haven't other than Toko Uso as our champions, haven't confirmed anybody for the uh, new Year's show. But I'm thinking we do a battle royal to open the show, and the winner of that battle royal would get the title shot in the main event. Uh, so it's either the Nevada State or the No Limits. You know, you know, Bay's checking out his schedule. So you know, having Chris Bay, you know, maybe I'll have him work Braxton. You know, that could be the toughest, uh, you know, the toughest title defense in Chris Bay's history with the faction banned from ringside, of course. Maybe we'd see that three-second match that I've been wanting. Uh, Loser has to uh, shut up. Is that what the uh, stipulation is? No, then that would be Braxton against Brett the Threat. (laughs) We were setting up the ring the other day at at Diversion, and it's like, yap, yap, yap. I'm like, dude, can you please just shut the fuck up? 
It's like, Christ, I get you want to talk and you're having fun, but can you take a fucking breath? Like, unbelievable. But what I pull out of it was uh, Rocky T's role in the movie Sword of Honor. Yes. Even in the, uh, yes. you know, the, on the DVD cover. Yes. <laughs> yes, please. Anyone listening? That's going to be part of the giveaway <laughs> raffle. But we may have to raise the price because of the, the value of, of that DVD cover. Oh, especially if you get that autograph right on there. Uh, That's what I'm saying. Forget about 96. it. 96. I don't know. 96. Would it have been a VHS? I don't know. It it would have. It would have. Uh, you know. It, it would have. Because <laughs> I highly doubt if it was made on VHS that it made it to DVD, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, you'd be surprised, Joe. I, I've, I've, uh, I would. I've There's found... a lot of dollar bins in the in the uh, in the WalMarts. You know, oddly enough, the funny thing though, movies like that from the '90s have found a re-release market on DVDs now, just within the last couple of years. And these guys, these companies who are buying these because the rights are out there and and pretty much you know no one's renewing them. So they're making, uh, you know, 25 bucks, 30 bucks off of these uh, DVD Blu-rays that are quote-unquote special edition. And it's, I, I think... Like vinyl, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So... Yeah. Now, I, I was actually listening to uh, my guy on the Hair Nation show, and somebody called about, like, hey, there's, you know, why isn't there a lot of re-releases? And he's like, you got to understand... Because they were talking about like Marilyn Manson and uh, another band that was uh, Godsmack. Mm. And they're like, well, you know, they haven't re-released any of those albums. It's like, you got to understand something. In 2002, when that record came out, nobody was printing them on vinyl. You know, mm. everything was by by a CD back then. Yep. You know, they had, they had changed over. Vinyl was was a dead art, you know. And now it's like there's so many you you can't reproduce every album out there because what is the market yeah. for it? You, you know, and they barely had probably any pressings on the thing. And he goes also in the contracts. What you got to understand is the royalties for the record sales. Well, if nobody's selling records population of them getting x amount of dollars or pennies on the dollar for a record sale because they're not putting out records right. now if they all of a sudden mass print 500,000 does that mean they get nothing from it because it wasn't in the original contract you know so there's a lot of you know weirdness that goes on like you said other companies will buy the rights to be able to put it out because they think they can make a profit a lot of times the re-releases you see now aren't with the original record companies. Right. Which is the same thing when it comes to movies. Yeah. Well, there we go. Joe DeFalco, music talk <laughs> as we wrap up here on the DeFalco Files. Uh, Joe, next week uh, we'll be probably uh, hyping up Limitless. And uh, uh, at that point... Maybe I'll get Dave, Maybe I'll see if we can get Davey Richards. Let's, let's try to get Davey Richards. And... If, yeah, we, we could ask him about blowing us off the first time. <laughs> and uh, I'll reach out. Maybe we can get uh, Eddie Edwards and we can get uh, them uh, 
reunite it here on the DeFalco files to uh, to talk shop. Only if you ship him Red Bulls before the show, because uh, he's so banged up, he was incapable of doing it himself. <laughs> oh. I joke. I kid. I kid. <laughs> oh, if you didn't bust balls, Joe. You know, happy at impact. Yeah. All right, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. And uh, until next time, take care. Bye-bye.